0: If you can believe it, it's episode 88, says Kevin, of uh, Vision, and our guest tonight is Adriana Lucas, which I will say in four different accents to try to match all of her multiple ethnicities. Uh, Adriana has just arrived, I presume, somewhere in North America from London, where she now is based, and uh, she's a studier of post-hierarchical systems, which we'll get into. Tumblevision is a you know an awesome show. Just believe me when I tell you that you're glad you're listening to it. Uh, it's um it's a it's a kind of salon style show where we talk about a post-parkour world actually. And tumbling, I know it's an odd sounding word, but it's used for word because there's no other good word to describe what you do to have social engagement happen in a way that isn't you know kind of enforced. That's sort of happens in an, in an organic way. So tumbling is this very old Yiddish word. It means someone who makes noise and it was someone who was uh, hired to entertain at Uh-oh. weddings and parties to get people to dance. Time. So it's about getting okay, people involved and the bringing like, them together. So I we look at uh, food tech food business works. and culture <coughs> in this sort of post world. If like if you're looking at Occupy Wall Street and you're like, they have no message to make no sense. <laughs> then, listen to a few of our episodes. Tomorrow, it might start making more sense to you. Tomorrow, uh Okay. That's what I have to say about television. I'm your host, Heather Gold, with your other hosts joining me. I'm in Toronto, and joining me are our other co-hosts, Deb Schultz. And we're always in different places in the world. Deb, where are you
1: tonight? I am, I am actually in San Francisco tonight. Home base. Home base, on my couch. Called I will be and comfy. on a couch. I will be joining
0: you soon. I'll be getting in a car Sunday driving to San Francisco.
1: Yay!
2: Oh, a... And Kevin, Mark, Palo
3: Alto, with with Adriana,
2: here. yeah, yeah. So we real live, Kevin. <laughs> really? Where are you, Kevin?
3: We're we're in Palo Alto. We're, we're in uh, a hotel in Palo Alto where they're staying for the conference. So.
0: And which conference?
3: Oh, oh no! No, it's a, it's a it's a private event, so it's not a conference. Yeah. Anyway,
2: just just here to. Oh wow! Business <laughs> specific. It's off Not the radar. A private
0: event. Does it, does it start with the, with the letter F and end with the letter O? Nope. All right. Uh, so, first, let's get this piece of business out of the way. People listening, I would ask you to, if you like this show, to go subscribe on iTunes, as many of you do, or in one of the other ways, we've got um, other ways to subscribe at TV. We also do a pre and post show. if you listen live, just Thursdays at. Uh, 8 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time, usually 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Am I getting that correct? My time zones are getting confused. Yes, p.m. You 9 are, are correct. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. PST. Then you get to be part of that, and you get to be, like, part of the home crew. So that's the story. We want to thank our sponsor, Hover domain name hoster domain name registrar if you are looking for a place to transfer your domains that will not annoy the crap out of you or support people who like to shoot elephants in the head with a gun like go daddy hover is a good option in fact hover is a pretty awesome option we just use them ourselves and they were awesome it was like pretty easy we called a person on the phone they took care of it are we still connected yes yes awesome okay good You know, that's the thing about internet. Sometimes you need to know, um, because we're talking via the internet for this show, you need a little feedback to know. If the connection's too good, you can get suspicious.
1: (laughs) It's true. (laughs) We talked about that in a previous show. There is no way to know the other person is there and listening. It's a bummer. So scratch and say, "Uh uh-huh, every few minutes. Yeah, we're
0: all We're all blind. We're all blind. So we're going to get down to brass tacks. What's been going on this week? We like to dig into that sometimes. Um, I myself am in a very liminal state, which is very tumbler esque because really tumbling, connecting people usually across boundaries is people kind of who are pretty between worlds tend to do it without even trying. And I'm about to be very nation fluid and live between Toronto and San Francisco. So I've got bags all over the place. I've been giving away and getting rid of almost everything I own, which has been really interesting experience.
1: Have you been giving it away or I'm giving a lot of stuff away. Try to do what any of the selling stuff, like, you know, sell anything or just, just, I don't have time to sell. I mean, I, I I, I had a lot of amazing books
0: today that just went to value village like Faulkner. I mean, literary people should go check out the books I dropped off today. If then what's name Late in August, Mrs. Dalloway. What else went out the window today? Oh like, I mean,
1: wow! Alice
0: Monroe, Lives of Girls and Women. I mean, every book I got rid of was a phenomenal. Book. It was just every question was. If I could find it in the internet, I had to let go of it. Pretty much on my sheet music.
1: I have to say what you're going through right now, and juxtaposing it with you know what we talk about on the show is really interesting. I've thought about it a lot. We still are very connected to our physical books in ways that we, I don't think we're ever going to be with our digital copies. I, I could just,
0: not let go of my ancient copy of Are You There? God, it's me, Margaret. Cannot
1: let go of No, me. no, of course not. That's, that's you know, that goes with you wherever. And, and <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I love the fact that you're giggling that. Did you read that, Adriana, when you were growing up, or it's just an American phenomenon?
2: Come on, D. Uh, are
3: you good No, probably I think that, that is an American one. I, yeah. I, I i've heard of it but i haven't actually read it
1: this book in its
0: day was very very controversial judy bloom has been censored a lot the author um and she writes books that i mean maybe other books did this before hers but that touch, really frankly about taboo subjects like menstruation which is a big part of are you there god it's me, margaret it's often a book i think given to girls to be like yes. guess what blood's gonna come out of you someday it's gonna surprise you you won't be hurt
1: Exactly. I mean, to me, to most, to a lot of American girls who probably, you know, Gen X or whatever, it was the book, the first and the book that was given to them that spoke to them as, you know, about being a a girl turning into a woman. But it was really, it was really frank. It was, uh, and it's emotionally, it's it's not like
0: just some pamphlet. It's like the, you know, the emotional life thing, uh, which was great. And it was in an era before people really publicly were, you know, you couldn't watch a Kardashian have sex with five people on the internet at that point. You know, it was hard to find out even about the menstruation. Back in the day. Just so, this is how I like to start all of our tumbling corporate business <laughs> conversations. So, Adrienne, I don't know how much you know about us, but we're kind of an R-rated business co- show. We're very proud of this.
1: <laughs> damn proud of it. Yeah, damn proud of it. We, sure. Every week we talk so, so about you, something.
3: Feel free to swear. <laughs>
1: our, our goal is every week to talk about something that makes business people squirm up, just a little. Uh, so, so Heather, you're moving. I'm, I'm going to move us along. Kevin, what, what did you do this week? Well, what's top of your mind this week?
3: What, what did I do this week? Well, um, what's interesting? Well, there was the, the the something ventured movie that that you and I both saw. I thought that was interesting.
1: I do too. Why don't you tell the folks about it?
3: So this is a this is a um, a film that's been put together about the history of um, Silicon Valley and but focusing on the venture capitalists. Um, but it does you, go, you know it starts with the invention of the transistor and all the companies that were formed mm-hmm. from that and how they were funded, and then it sort of walks the story through to the present day. Um, and it was, I was, it was, you know, one of the reasons they said they did it is because these guys are getting really old now, and they wanted to get their talk to them about it before they all died. They're all in their, a lot of them in their 80s. And it, I thought it was... They weren't, no, 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 no,
1: no, they weren't that old. Not all of them were
3: that old. No, not no, all of them, but Arthur Rock was, and, and um, you know. Um, George Moore and this, those, you know, they, they, this stuff. They were founding companies in the the end of the fifties. So this, this is this is this um, is mm. definitely historic stuff. And then they walked a lot of it through to the present day. Um, and I, I I I I found it really gripping. I really, I really actually enjoyed it. And I'd, I'd heard some of the stories before, but not all of them. And it was it was it was a really good thing to see.
1: And some of the for folks listening, some of the VCs are the original Kleiner Kleiner Perkins, original Perkins. Um, uh, I think his first name is Bob Draper, the father of the current Draper fisher Jurvetson guys who invented in, invested in everything from the original chip to Genentech to, you know, Apple and stuff like that. What I took away from it as it relates to Tomovision is very much, and there will be people who will argue with me, but as, as a documentary, it was well done, number one. But number two, the, I think the era of the big VC is so done is yes is over i mean i don't not in the internet space not to say i because i can't speak to biotech and things that need heavy infrastructure and green tech and things like that but that concept of having that big huge freaking billion dollars zillion billion dollar payout off of you know intel or well maybe maybe that's a bad example off of apple or something like that i think it's done um i think um i you know There will be a few, but there won't be as many. I mean, there will be those VCs that will have the one in the million shot – to have some big thing. But for the most part, you've got a lot of smaller, as you said, you've got a lot of smaller, you know, quote-unquote, less successful at $10 million or $40 million, not these billion-dollar life-changing things. I don't know. Do you agree, disagree?
3: Well, I think I think the other thing is that most of their investments weren't these. You know, if they just tell the story of the, of the big ones, which they mostly do, then you miss the sort of the other 20 they invested in that all blew up and died. Um, but the other, But the other thing is that the... The amount that you had to you had to t- you know to take the you know the original Fairchild thing they took, one point five million dollars in nineteen fifty. You know this this was this was fairly significant amounts of investment to actually get something started because they were talking about silicon and building plant and making physical things and doing that stuff. Whereas now there's so much tacit infrastructure you can use you can build something that that grows up with with much less than that and that's as you say for for internet stuff that that's that's true and but things a lot of the things that they did invent in were actually investing were were hardware based Um, that's that's, true it was it was it was um intel and apple and cisco and, and a bunch of bunch of physical stuff um and that, you know, that still has huge startup costs and, and, and capital, you know, intense costs. Yeah, the, uh, the
1: other thing that was really interesting was that, you know, back then, even with internet stuff, the, 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 you know, back then with a lot of those investments, the heavy investment in infrastructure was in hardware. Like if you were going to make a big company, you needed a lot more computers, Right, you needed more hardware. The, some of the guys talked about that. I forgot with which company. Today, the equivalent of scale and what you need money for is you need more money to spend on your AWS cloud servers. Like when when a Twitter grows, it needs more money for more bandwidth, not necessarily more physical boxes. It, you know, everything's it's a different well, it's a different.
0: Well, they want like an alliance to get attached to people who will put out in mainstream media instead of you know. Mm-hmm alternative. Mm-hmm. I mean they want access to different kinds of people for advertising. They want access to different kinds of executives. I mean that's what happens.
1: Right. I mean you that's the argument that VCs always make that it's about their network. I just I just viewed it as that golden age sort of as I'm referring to it of that of that kind of VC with the 20, you know with the Kazillion billion dollars of yeah. advis- advisement is is probably limited. We could say dead, to be dramatic, but but I would say limited. Unless but we're
3: going the, into the, the thing was that, that they weren't. Yeah, Wait, it, 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 Adriana, they, go sorry, uh, go
0: ahead, go ahead, Kevin, the one here, Adriana thinks about it.
2: Oh yes, do you want me to comment on this? Okay, yes. I do. We we do. I was thinking about uh, when um, Kevin was saying it makes sense to tell the old stories or the beginning of the stories. And I find, because I find myself going back to the very origins of technology often, because you have, I think, some problems keep being the same, and different eras have different solutions to them. And sometimes it really is interesting looking at what we're trying to solve now and looking at actually 25 years ago, they kind of had the same problem, but they approached it differently and learning from that. Or stripping layers of evolution, of technology, or not even the technology, but let's say um, internet versus the web. Internet is a very different creature to the web. Mm. Uh, and lots of people merge the two, so it's actually good to go to the beginning and tell the story, so people understand that the two are very different creatures. And I, I find that myself, even it's sort of divergent almost for me. Internet is one thing; is going different direction to some of the some of the ecosystem that the web enables
3: um well it's to see that we get a lot of layers that yeah. assume the previous thing was there so exactly we can assume that chips were there we could assume that and the they have, have different there. purposes yeah. so
2: internet infrastructure the web is this whole different creature and one of the things that um, i'm starting to realize more and more when i do the, the research is how the internet is still the network of a certain kind the web isn't and it wasn't necessarily conceived that way, so it's not a failing. It just isn't. It's a very different type of organization, um, and it exhibits some of those distributed features in as much as it's based in the internet in the environment. Right, but it's not. It's a very different thing. So, without trying to rudely take it somewhere else, um, I find the old tech stories far, far more interesting and helpful to what I'm doing than any of the modern stuff.
3: Hmm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, the other thing this week was the, um, the continuing thread around, um, SOPA, the stop online piracy act. Um, and there were a couple of events around that. One, one was, um, an event at, at, uh, Stanford law school last night that, that I went along to, that was a, um, it wasn't really a debate. It was more of a panel saying why this thing was a terrible idea. Um, and at the end, some people from Paramount got up and said, well, how about our side of the story? And got roundly stomped on, um, but the, the interesting thing here, the, there was listening to um, uh, Paul Vixie, um, who is one of the guys who you know has spent the last 20 years building DNS, explaining why using DNS as a choke point was a really bad idea. Um,
1: Kevin, Kevin, uh, you want to explain DNS? <laughs> Especially in the light of the SOPA
0: bill. Okay, I'll, I'll, Congress, right? I'll, I will give you,
3: give you my understanding of DNS and know. Yeah. Um, well,
1: or, or, or explain SOPA in the context
3: so, so, of what's oh, so, going on. So I'll explain DNS first. So the idea of DNS is um, it, it stands for directory name services. And the, um, when you type a URL into a browser or an email address or anything like that, that textual string actually has to be resolved to the address of the computer you're trying to get to. Um, and DNS is the way that does that. And it does it by first stripping off the thing on the end, the .com, the, you know, the .uk, whatever, and looking, asking that. Um, and then saying, okay, here's the next piece of that, resolve that, and then working through a chain of these. Um, so there are these root name servers that, that own those, and then there, in between that, there are a set of recursive name servers that are provided by other people, including ISPs, um, you know, the wireless cafe you're using, whatever, that, that cache different pieces of this. So when you ask the question, you know, Whereas TamilVision.tv, it works its way through a series of these till it finds the true answer and works its way back again. So when our site went down because we were moving between domains, this was the thing we had to fix. Um and so we would the, the And he
0: means and by our site, Kevin means TamilVision.tv. It yes. went down. We're just gonna own up to that.
3: <laughs> well, what happened was that our DNS Thankfully
0: robot- one of our <laughs> listeners let us know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, so you know, basically, and this is this is part of the problem with the web is that um, th- there is this, you know, it's not quite a single point of failure, but it's this sort of possible failure. More
2: centralized yeah. than the original yeah. nature yes. of it. Yeah.
3: and you have to, and you have to, you know, pay somebody to to be your name name server, um, and they normally charge you by the year. And our, our two years were up with TumbleVision. Um, and so we moved it to the new provider. But then that means that we've got to move a whole bunch of database entries from one place to another. And then they've got to propagate out into the net to all these intermediate um, recursive name servers that cache them. So it takes a while for everyone to realize that we've moved, in effect. Um, and then we have to go into that place that is now resolving it for us and point it at where the server actually is. And the, the irony for us was that um, we'd forgotten where the server was because it had been set up by somebody else. Um, and so it took us another day to find where our, our web server was to to point the, the final site back at it. So we had a very practical illustration of uh, you know, how how complicated this is, but you take it for granted all the time. Um, and so, yeah. in the classic way that um, the the sort of um, copyright lobby. Um, Decides to sort of make computers behave worse than they should. Um, they're now deciding, oh, this thing, this thing can sometimes go wrong. Let's make it go wrong on purpose for people. Um, and they're passing, they're trying to pass a law that says um, DNS providers um, have to um, route um, addresses that, that that they don't like into the wrong place um, and put up as a sign from the sign from the government um, saying this site has been taken down. Um, and that that's you know this is this is the sopa law that's passing through um the house and the protect ip law that's passing through the senate um and is basically um mandating a whole bunch of actions on the internet um that on the on the sort of infrastructure of the internet at the behest of um copyright people um by accusation without actual having to offer proof without due process without having to bring a judge in. Um, There's another set that can be done by the attorney general. um, And they've been doing that for the .com domain. And there was an example today um, that um, they finally gave back the domain of a site they'd taken down by mistake after a year.
1: After a year?
3: After a year. They they, they picked a bunch of sites that they said were hosting pirated software. One of these was a blog that was a a well-known hip-hop blog and all the songs it was hosting, it would point it to, had been sent to them by the record labels because it was such a good way to get the word out. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And then you know they said, "Oh, this hosting," and they t- and they the government took it down. They, the lawyers said, "Well, why? You know, there's there's due process here. What happened?" And they stalled them for a year, even though they were supposed to respond within thirty days. And then finally,
0: um, <laughs> anyway, I, I hate to interrupt this incredibly good. Uh, but I'm conscious of how much of Adriana's times we, time we have around, so yeah. we understand no, the
2: I'm learning so much.
0: <laughs> no, I mean uh, Kevin could talk for five hours, and we'd all know more—a lot more—about the internet. That's yeah, for sure. That's
1: but <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean the the thing to take away is that if people are interested in understanding SOPA, they can go to EFF and go online. And the reason it's important is that you need to understand that the government getting into sort of what's okay or not on the web has, you know, might have ethical issues on the one hand of freedom of speech, but it also has very practical issues, meaning we all know that there's just no way the government can work as fast. It can work on Internet time. And so by them sticking their fingers in there, a year is just unacceptable um, for a review process. Even 30 days is unacceptable. We were down with our site for three days, and that's unacceptable. Yeah, well, there's going to be a lot more down if this... um Passes.
0: Passive. I, guess, okay. I, I was part of this first group of net coalition people who went to lobby in D.C., and what, I guess what I would say just to bring the conversation mm-hmm. back to where I'd like to go with Adriana is that, um, <laughs> you know, spending even one day in D.C. with 10 other people who do really disruptive funding and, and running of companies, including David Ulovich, who runs oh. OpenDNS, and Fred Wilson – who's well VC, who's invested in Twitter and Foursquare and a bunch of other people. I mean, they're all pretty disruptively-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty obvious to all of us very quickly that this place it runs. It's like if you wanted to go it, – it's open for disruption. It clearly doesn't huh. work terribly well. well. I mean, it was just one of those things where, like, hmm, this whole thing could have a redo. That None of this stuff worked. Like, the user experience of it is insane. The lobbyists are necessary. Because they've studied all of these acronyms and so on to kind of navigate you through, <laughs> literally through the bowels of the buildings to know where to walk and where to go. And your time's very tight. And it's pretty relational who you're talking to. And, of course, none of them understand anything they're voting on, at least of all the Internet. It was very clear. There's no understanding. of how the Internet works because it was highly entertaining to be in these meetings with these Congress people, their staffs. And half the time they'd say something about DNS, and then David Ulovich would be like, like "There, well, I actually know something about DNS." And then it was like that Marshall McLuhan moment in Annie Hall, you know, where Woody Allen pulls you yes. know, some guys kind of mouthing That's off. That's great, that Marshall yeah, McLuhan. exactly. And then Woody Allen's character says, "Oh, I happen to have Marshall McLuhan right here," uh, and that was sort of what it was like over and over again. Um, and, ex- and yep, go ahead. Anyway, just so the idea is that once you have a system that's well known, it's that tends up to be pretty hierarchical. And I don't think that American political life was originally designed. They didn't think I think that the Congress was going to be as hierarchical as it is, but it seemed pretty much that way to me. Um, and pretty much about money, that because we were in meetings where they would let, one guy literally said, "You know, I'll be in Silicon Valley soon, and you can bring your checkbooks."
1: Yeah, because you've got to support my campaign. So if right. you guys are interested, so, for so show l- listeners, for show listeners, if they're interested in this topic, we're actually having Alex Howard on next week. Did you? Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. He'll we'll go.
0: Incredible. We'll go more into it, but but just in general, um, Adriana, your interest seems to have have been you know philosophically, and I guess practically drawn to what's not working about hierarchical systems, and. I know for me, I don't really see a big, this show, we don't really see a big difference between culture, politics, and business. Once you start tumbling, everything's kind of flattened out and they all, we're in this big transition from these very hierarchical systems to navigating to how to work in ones that aren't. Um, that's what seems to me like it's, has been happening. Is that, is that what drove your interest in studying how the systems that are not hierarchical work? And how do you see um, politically, I don't know how much you look at North American politics, but it, it just looked to me like the my sense of how it was ripe for disruption is something that feels uh, very insider, like very small number of people have knowledge about how to really navigate it Uh very out of distance and out of touch between people doing stuff and the people they're supposed to be theoretically the story they would tell about who they're accountable to, but the reality of who they're accountable to seemed very different. And it was like a very much smaller number of people. It didn't, it seemed like you could influence it. Like all these people were thrilled. We showed up they're like, Oh my God, you're here. We're learning all this stuff. Uh, but at the same time, the only way they were going, it was clear that they were going to have influence from it was to spend quite a bit of money to have constant presence there constantly right. talking to them with lots of people because by the time we got to them, the MPAA, which wrote the bill, uh, the movie business, had already visited 435 congresspeople. So, I mean, I'm just going to those details to say here's an example of a way a system's working. And if you can kind of cut between a general population and the stated goal of this, the institution, you can help disrupt a business, and that's generally where startups operate is in that world is have you seen it happen in politics much or are you less interested in politics than in big businesses where it seems like yes. you're
2: yes politics is something i i have been involved in. it was for the reason i started blogging was i was a political blogger back in 2001 and um, i got it out of my system eventually <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's what 10 years of blogging does to you, actually. Um.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, we are now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, that was, I mean, something that, um, what's his name? Josh Mendelsohn said last night that was interesting, was that um, we shouldn't necessarily be, be playing on, <coughs> the, on their rulebook of bringing money and lobbying that way. We should be playing on our rulebook of, providing information and connecting people um um, more 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 cheaply um and that was you know the example of what's happened with sopa was interesting on that in that because some of the some of the um, popular websites put links on it like tumblr put a link on their um their user page saying this thing is happening it'll hurt tumblr please complain to congress they have had you know um hundreds of thousands of calls and Mm. millions of emails and things sent.
0: I know I got to put up the video I shot. I shot a video with Fred Wilson and Derek Parnum who wrote Google apps. And we were like, there's 10 of us and they've talked to all congressmen, but we have the internet.
3: (laughs) But the, but the question is, you know, how much they pay attention to that, and how much they need to look at the, the, the other the other pieces. Yeah. yeah.
2: To to me, it's a matter of um, is there alternative technology, or is there other ways of doing it? And and one of the most amazing things to me about a networked distributed environment is the ability to bypass. Hmm. So it's so, so it's always okay if there is an obstacle, can we bypass it? Which is the you know, internet treats censorship as damage and reroutes around it, just expand it into. All sorts of it's a it's a mindset rather yes. than just one rule, and that's that's what. So I'm not really political in the sense that you know I'm very ha- I'm very happy for people doing this. Actually, I'm, I think it's in, it's necessary, but I, I just can't get excited about it. I'd rather see what alternative technologies could be done to to bypass it without this kind of fighting, which which I think it is necessary, but. Right.
3: <laughs> Well, that was—I yeah. mean—the the, the discussion from Ulovich and Hixie, uh, not Hixie, Vixie—was um, they were saying, "Well, what will happen is this won't actually be effective, but what it will mean is people will start using alternative ways to find to, to resolve these names rather than the system we have built." Hopefully, um, mm-hmm. um, the the government saying we will overthrow the route um, and, and get rid of the signed certificates and, and insist that people put these fake ones up will look like an, um, a man-in-the-middle attack to anything that starts verifying certificates properly. Um, and then we'll end up with these, you know, there will be alternative systems that people end up using, um, and that already exists. There's already a, a, pl- a Firefox plug that fixes it right at the app layer <coughs> called Mafia Fire that looks at the address you're typing in and looks if it's on the government blacklist and says, no, you actually want this one.
2: And there was a paper, I think, last week, um Ben Laurie was one of the authors about um certifi- again, um non distributed authorities of certif certificate signing yes. So, so it, it's only a conceptual state yet, but again, that there is no central um certificate authority. And it's it's every time so, so each um each website owner has to maintain a list of these it's open it's, so it's very demanding it 's not a practical solution yet but it's interesting that there's more and more of these approaches it's um, something
1: that you said something that you said that i don 't want us to miss because it totally relates to what we talk about on the show often is you said it's sort of a state of mind it's an emotional place and what i've been seeing popping up over and over is that this sort of approach to the world as a networked infrastructure today and looking at things as connected is is really the difference. It's very often not the tools. And what I've noticed lately is a lot of people actually explicitly writing about it. I will put a link up in the site, but Joey Ito did an op-ed in the New York Times about, you know, the Internet is a state of mind, Brad Burnham, who's a VC who works with Fred Wilson, also talked about understanding networked architecture is really about a place of being. It's a way, it's a. It's almost a, a code of how you view the world. And so it's it's interesting to hear you sort of mention it in passing. But it's hmm. a re, it is a very, I mean, because you can have all the tools in the world if you're a big company or government. They all have the ability to behave and be more networked. But they don't. But they don't because, you mm. know, very often they don't view the world through well, that lens. Yeah, that's right? one
2: of the things I'm, I'm... It's exactly those kind of things that got me thinking. And the word network is probably one of the most used and abused words because different... Yeah. I would argue that when you mention the word network, different people understand different things and a different type of network. For example, I would. I would wager that most people who don't experience an online sort of networked um experience would think um i call it bicycle wheel hub and spokes that's when you say network so i'm the center and there is my network then there are people who can get as far as let's say decentralized network which is uh lots of hubs with um you know radiating um sort of nodes around yeah. them but i would i i would argue that very few people indeed could truly understand decentralized network which is peer-to-peer distributed right. network because it's not intuitive it's not it's not natural to for human beings to think that way and the reason i say such a strong statement is that uh, it's followed by another strong statement that human oh. beings are ha- almost hardwired for hierarchy no we actually and it's not a political statement <laughs> That's hey, a, that's spoken like
0: a true. I'm from where? Long I,
2: statement. My face. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait! I can, I can at least explain what I mean by that. Yes, mm-hmm. explain. Other people agree or not? Um, I talk about hierarchy or I think about hierarchy as a, as a system that um, where nodes uh, or units or individuals are connected only to superior or inferior level. There are no peer-to-peer connections. That is a very shortcut definition of a hierarchy. Um, not a political st- statement, not a mathematical statement. Let's say in graph theory, um, the hierarchy is a DAG. Distributed, um, acyclical graph and all, uh, sorry, directed acyclical graph, right? And all that. that's all relevant, but for this purpose, um, hierarchy is probably well, I hate hierarchies, okay? There is an emotional uh, charge to my research, mm-hmm. but I had to start thinking about why a hierarchy is so prevalent. Mm-hmm. and Most of the explanations are soft, i.e., psychological, sociological, and anthropological, none of them are structural. None of them look at the environment and say, okay, how are things connected, organization structured, so it influences us? And, and actually, if you think of graph theory, yes, it's the way things are connected. It's a direct mm-hmm. acyclical graph. So I was thinking, what is hierarchy good for? And actually, hierarchy is extremely efficient in distributing scarce resources. Yes. Yes. So in a physical world where we are defined almost by scarcity all around us, we, we get naturally emerging hierarchy whether we like it or not, because that's the most efficient way of, of distributing scarce resources. Yes, it's a, st- yeah, I know, for the purpose um, of this. Hold on, sec-
0: it's the most efficient way or it's the most beneficial to whoever gets a hold of the resource first? And, and those of, two things are not the same thing.
2: No, no, so think of really a scarce resource. When you have, let's say, um, extreme situations, starvation, you have a limited amount of resources. Or think about information as a resource. Um, let's say in, a, in an army. When I
0: think of scarce resources, I think available chicks to date. That's what I'm looking at. Okay, okay. for me, it's small. Like, how many lesbians are there? Twelve in the country? We're starting small numbers. <coughs> We're saying... Time is a scarce resource. Oh God! Time we went from concrete Sorry. to <laughs> whoa. Okay, I thought I was trying to, trying to inject a little comedy into the show. No, it's so, good.
3: It's good. Well, so, you like, get us into evolutionary psychology, if you talk about distribution of mating through hierarchy, that's the, the no. there is a bunch of that as well. Yeah,
1: it gets. But, it, but I still it, want to I still want us to really get into why is it more efficient? to Have be, a hierarchy, and why is that? Resource?
0: Are we sure that's the right? Descriptor. What do you mean by efficient? Like, can you just describe what is happening? Because to me, efficient is an evaluation word. like, just describe
2: what's happening. The very notion of efficiency is based on scarcity, because we think, okay, uh, efficiency could be described as how do you distribute the given uh, resources to the largest number of people, the fastest, the most, you know, you can. But it's always based around some constraint whether it 's time, whether it 's number of people whether it 's amounts, whatever we don 't actually have a definition or a concept of efficiency from abundance
1: yeah but, but, but is it only about the scarcity or because to me when i 'm listening to me let 's give a concrete example mm-hmm. turn of the century the res, when the resource is something physical I, yes. I would I would posit that a physical resource versus a ephemeral like time or something very different, so when you had to get vegetables from California to New York at the turn of the century. A train, right? Mm -hmm. Going along was the most efficient way to do it. Not... Every person in New York City going all the way out to California and getting their own vegetables and coming back because that's the physical oranges. There's a B. transaction
3: cost thing of that, so yeah, you, you can so you can look at her, one one way of looking at hierarchy as efficiency is by looking, <coughs> You say there's a transaction cost for doing one thing, then moving more of it ends up being more and efficient.
2: And different, different hierarchies. Diff- Scarcities, those sort of base uh, scarcities, as in what's the asset that 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 around yes. which the hierarchy is based? Right. It doesn't. I mean, you have to keep it simple. Think of a right. tribe somewhere. You know, you know, mm-hmm. it's a closed hierarchy, right? There's a tribe, and you know, the harvest or whatever the hunting gathering is bad or something like that. How is it distributed? Well, the chief gets stuff first, and you know, it trickles down all the way through the levels. And in a way, it's efficient. But not fair. Nobody's talking about fairness. We're talking about efficiency. You, were,
1: you could argue, though, I'm going to jump in. You could argue um, that it, it's, it's more fair if you have the right chief than it would be if you have a limited harvest of rice and everyone in the tribe just jumps in and whoever first hears oh, it oh, oh, gets oh, to the oh, grain. This is you know, the
2: number one fallacy when I talk about hierarchies and heterarchies. Okay. Um, the opposite of hierarchy is not chaos. No, 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 no. That's the, that's the, I mean, this is not, this is very common, by the way, in terms of most people have difficulty conceiving what the alternatives to hierarchy as an order. Hierarchy is not the only order. Yeah. There are, there is, I mean, we already yeah. have things like power law, you know, just to point at something that most people online already um, encountered. Power law is not a hierarchy. It's ranking, but it's not a hierarchy.
0: I found the same thing when I was in law school about property approaches theory and locked when people talked about other approaches to what were taught Mm -hmm. other approaches to property the emotional response from the average student was most of them was insane like no there's like like as though this one approach was all there ever was and that to me is this weird religiosity around like that's to me where you really want to find where the assumptions are in the in the in the culture it's those places Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, so one of the one of the, you know one of the talking about the, the sort of the, the power distribution, what that maps to is what's known as a small world network. So instead of it being very structurally organized with one thing that fans out to two, that fans out to four, that fans out to eight, um, you have a set of local um, links and then a few <coughs> long distance links that, that connect them, um, and this is how you get the. Um, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon type structure of I can get information from here to there through a smaller number of links than I, than I would have expected if I'd um, b- built it another way. Now, the classic hierarchy is one way of solving that, mm-hmm. but you end up rooting, rooting up to the boss and up to the boss's boss and up to the boss's boss and then back down and back down and back down. Yes. Whereas the, the small world network says what? you can talk to the people nearby, but you will have some people that a long-distance connection somewhere else and they can then route it um, somewhere else around that. And that is, you know, that yeah. is actually what the the DNS routing looks like when you start doing that as well. Um, it's one of the things that maps to this which is one of the reasons it works you're connected to your local ISP and and the caches are nearby but some of those are connected to things that are Mm -hmm. are further away and then above that there is the hierarchy of the the root things but you very rarely get to those
2: Ah, that's that's the the, last resort that's interesting that you mentioned that I I want to know more about that later but I'm actually looking at the layer below the DNS, I mean I'm going all the way down to TCPIP because that is a truly distributed kind of network and i
0: think can you could sorry to interrupt but can you one of you explain tcpip yes. in that's two tweets or shorter Kevin next okay. to me <laughs>
3: um ip is internet protocol and that's the, the simplest way of sending messages from one computer to another you send one packet it has an address on it that says this is going to computer number um x.y.z.w from computer number a.b.c.d um and it is then routed across the internet through um, a network that understands bits of the, that routing and can get it part of the way there and then pass it on and part of the way there and pass it on. So that's that's the IP part. The TCP part is a set of rules on top of that for trying to find when it, whether it got there or not and sending it if it if it drops one. So you can treat it as like, okay, I'm just copying this whole file over and it will deal with... The, lossy, the the bottom layer may get lost it may route to the wrong place it may not get there um but you can cope with that and send another one and it'll it'll deal with it and work it it's out it's a
2: genius design dealing with it's yes. a kind of hardwiring possibility of failure and dealing with that and overriding it's it's fantastic but the reason I'm well one of the reasons I'm interested in it is that I think it is a first um distributed truly distributed network um that I think the term I use because it's an unloaded term as yet is heterarchy and I use it because it's a nicely um, symmetrical term um, to hierarchy. So as a, as a type of order, and I think we kind of stumbled into this sort of entirely different type of environment, distributed network environment. And I don't think we fully appreciate some of the conceptual um, potential that it has. So I'm not even interested as far as DNS. I mean, I'm interested in DNS as a, as a geek, but not for the purposes of my research, because even if internet completely changes and goes in a different direction, the very existence of something like TCP/IP um, is sufficient to look at um, what is it possible to have an environment that is fundamentally differently wired to the environment we are normally used, used to, which is physical world, scarcity, hierarchy, and all that stuff we talked about before. So I'm so, wondering so
1: you're looking at the TCP I just want to restate this so you're looking at this TCP IP sort of distributed network mm-hmm. infrastructure to mm-hmm. see how it could be applied to Yes. to to government to governments to companies to, to cities to anything,
2: right? Yeah. So I'm trying to it's extrapolate some kind of rules or laws that are shared by uh, the these Things called distributed networks, and if they do exist, could they be extrapolated sufficiently to be applied in other other areas? And I think I think there are. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it, obviously. But yeah. um, whether I can explain them in ways that are uh, that are understandable. To other people that's that's my personal challenge and the conceptual challenge is can they actually be applied outside virtual environment if i truly believe scarcity is the the front door to hierarchy then you know there's lots of connections between um uh, hierarchy and what i'm trying to do and i paradoxically find myself studying more about hierarchy <laughs> than i would like to because that's <laughs> of course
3: but i mean but the the other method of distributing scarce resources that, you know, that is defended classically is a market-based system where, where you use a price signal to decide whether you trade or not, which is a more distributed signal yes, than, than yes. the allocation. Model.
2: Actually, market-based. And I mean, when I looked at um, technologies, because I thought, okay, given that internet is a distributed network, how many native technologies are there that could be truly distributed? And I only found, um, well, sort of three. BigTorrent, well TCPIP obviously, that, that's the fundamental one. BigTorrent, mm-hmm. um, public key cryptography, and the blogosphere as a phenomenon and as a technology. And the reason I connected these two is because the the first law, uh, such as it is in my, you know, early stage of formulating it, is that there is a sort of um, each node in a network can perform certain basic functions. For TCPIP, it is that every server can be originator, relaying party, or a destination. So nobody, there's no center saying, and these servers shall be this, and those servers shall be that. And that's actually incredibly important. Um, BitTorrent is the same thing. has the same sort of what I call collapse of function. Not a very pretty term, but it means that that, that, you, that you can be anything. Um, it's all stem it, cells you can perform any of those functions but not all functions of course specialization is necessary but they are called the base functions so if you um, talk about BitTorrent you look at if you start downloading you're also automatically uploading mm. the two are connected uh, publicly cryptography which um, was interesting because um, it made the recipient of the message part of the encryption process which is, which is only relevant if you are in a distributed network it wasn't ever necessary before because mm. it it just wasn't they needed that kind of um, intellectual somersault <laughs> and and publicly and the and blogosphere. What's interesting about what I sort of found there was that your audience are, is also your distributors. So right, um, right. yeah, right. that's that's the that's the kind of distributed and and that's the rule number one. If if the node in a network, in a node, a node in a network, doesn't have uh, ability to perform those base functions, you will not be able to establish right. nor maintain the heterarchy. There are other laws, but this is the number one. Um, and and so, so that I'm thinking that at, you're, yeah.
1: that the participants yes. are also. I'm, I'm using the word participant, yeah. and so, so that the participant is also the
2: distributor. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a, that's just an illustration of that law in this context. And my sixty-four million-dollar question is that let's say I come up, you know, with, with sufficiently understandable formulation of these laws, will they ever be applicable outside the virtual world? I don't know. It's not. It may not be possible because of scarcity, because of the way um, things interact in the physical world. Though market was a good example of of a system or thing that operates but but it's so fragile what's
3: well, the point well but the thing is well the question is whether it's fra- fragile there's um the hayekian idea is the distinction between a designed order and a spontaneous order yes um and the designed order is is like the hierarchical distribution of saying you will get we do it this yeah. way the spontaneous order is if the structure is right people will will find this way of ah, doing absolutely. it
2: absolutely but that's that the, pro, the yeah the condition for that spontaneous order is also the the starting point or certain um anchors or what I, what I you know um what I would call the base functions are, are in in this context is what are the basic rules what are right. the basic conditions or the starting conditions because if you start regulating the market or you start doing something to the market that will change the the way the spontaneous order emerges is no longer it, it's it's different it's right. changing the
3: you you can the, distort yeah. it yeah. yes and it, so, that's what happens so, so the, as you're the, looking if you're at it has so- resilience it will root around damage in the same way that other things do unless you uh, uh, affect uh, the
2: very nature of that ability yes. yeah. that's the point and i think that's what's happening to some extent to the internet okay so let out can
0: you unless you affect the very nature of what <laughs>
2: Okay. Um, yes, (laughs) which (laughs) bit?
3: Well, so the other, I mean... Hold
0: on, I want want to understand what you said, unless you,
2: what was the last sentence? I didn't get it. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, unless, unless, because um, Kevin was making an absolutely relevant and important and true point about uh, there is resilience in these spontaneous orders. Uh, or systems that emerge through spontaneous order. Um, and I said, yes, unless you affect the condition that allows them to be resilient, that, that enables that rel- resilience. So, so if if
1: something, uh, something comes in and alters that. Yes, a,
2: and I know. think that's what's happening with the internet in right. it, to some extent. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe <gasps> um, that it is possible for governments to, to really mess things up. Because if they push the right buttons or, or break break the, the the wrong the right rules, as it were, they can uh, disable the the system or whatever it's called the 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 careful balance of spontaneous order and its resilience.
3: I mean, another another example of a spontaneous order is is human language. Um, which has this, has these similar properties? Well, which at French Well, which, which is that um, <laughs> we we each are using the words, and as such, we, we we have this dual role of of transmitting it and creating it at the same time. True. So we we. Um, we glue the words together into a new order that, that is, has not been said before. Mm-hmm. But we have some agreement about what the words are. But yet we can make up new words and spread them, and they, they will move over time. Exactly,
2: there are conditions we can bypass. We can yes. use
3: different ways of
2: communicating, and therefore, and then build the language on top of that. If we want to, you know, you put me in a, in a, in China. You know, maybe in a few months I'll speak Chinese because I will have to learn to right. do it through means of different you know gestures physical objects and stuff like that um so there is a there's an alternative route to the language yes. to communication sorry
3: but you but you see you know in the same way that you see um trading systems emerging many places in parallel you see language emerging in parallel um mm-hmm. and you see um there are the examples of the um The Creoles occurring, where you start with a set of people who don't have a common language Mm -hmm. um, and they come up with a sort of pigeon that is a a sort of crude exchange. But once you have children growing up with listening to that, it then becomes a Creole, which is actually a a richer language. Yeah,
2: I did look at it. Well, I'm not. That's actually made me realize that I should make a point. I'm not only looking at DCPFP, I'm actually looking at any grouping, anything that seems to exhibit um, the heterarchical features or uh, people say oh that's not hierarchy so i'm like okay well let's have a look at it well why is it not a hierarchy or is it often people say it's not a hierarchy and actually it turns out to be a hierarchy but often yeah true it's not so for example neural networks are not a hierarchy they are truly <coughs> they're truly distributed again the the, the the brain works in ways that's not um not a hierarchical in a traditional sense so neural networks are a good example mm. um Interestingly, if you put heterarchy into, um, like, Holly's, which is the Harvard um, uh, system for catalogs, catalog system, you get 14 mentions of, of works about heterarchy. I would say all all of them are um, uh, anthropology. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Right, for yes. So... It was fascinating because I was expecting hundreds of, you know, things, paper systems, theory, no, anthropology. And a lot of it, and I looked into, uh, because hunt, hunter-gatherer society was somehow mentioned with, with this sort of flat hierarchies, heterarchies. And I thought, ah, oh, how interesting. Well, that's ultimate scarcity, isn't it? Well, not quite, but. And then there was the rule number two, which is ability to bypass. Apparently in hunter-gatherer societies, you could choose which group you were hunting with. You could swap, We can switch groups. So it it becomes harder for a leader of a group to maintain a a purely or strictly hierarchical uh, order if you can just go, well, thanks, I'll just go with the
3: next lot. But but also, I mean, part of the the establishment of sort of deferred reciprocity comes from the hunter-gatherer thing, which is that the deferred reciprocity thing is you fed me, I will feed you later. Um, And that work fits with the hunter-gatherer thing because you may not have a successful hunt that time, yeah. you may have a very successful hunt and come back with more food you can and eat. And that
2: moves you to the individual level, again, right. to the level of
3: the node. But it also again, me, yeah. helps means that we ended up with...
2: Yeah, but,
0: you know, you know Kevin, once you're talking about people, yeah.
3: you know, making yeah. God decisions
0: God. with other people, <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, it always, can I, if I can finish the idea, it drives me nuts that people want to talk about how we're going to act like little machines and make these calculated, rational decisions about... No, no. It's
3: necessarily rational. Part of the thing is that a lot of these things are um, emotional because the emotions were the sort of mechanisms that we use to to make the decision. Um, so the the, the, the emotion
0: of- sometimes I would argue is not just the mechanism for making decision. It is the reason for it's the only. It is its own answer within itself. It's not a way to get to something else. It's
3: its own reward often. Yeah no but, but, right but, the, but that's you know so I'm, I'm I'm channeling Stephen Finger here I think because <laughs> I've been reading him again um, and his his point is that um, you need to make decisions quickly um, you can't sit there and reason it out so the emotion is. Um, the sort of crude correlation mechanism that our brain is using to say this thing happened before, this thing may happen again, and it floods you with a hormone that makes you makes you realize what decision you should be taking, and then you post rationalize that and explain why you're doing the thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So you're both in violent agreement. It's just one person <laughs> thinks it's so. One way of looking at it is that is that the human certain humans want to um, sort of believe that they're making a rational decision when in truth they're Yes, not.
3: And, and, and part of it, you know, you have to be able to explain this to other people. Um, in order to do that, you have to convince yourself first. So there's, there's a lot of sort of deep messiness around, around justification in that.
1: You, What I'm thinking about while you're talking about these sort of spontaneous networks and things, is Adriana I've started to do mm-hmm. some thinking about tumblers, like these people that we're talking mm-hmm. about. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about tumblers, you, know, uh, you know, from a very much a sort of Western civilization, you know, very sort of Jewish. These were the people who were hired at weddings to get people to dance. And uh, hmm. we think that they're the glue that sort of catalyzed people in spontaneous yes. networks. So to me, what's interesting, and I'd love to talk to you more, more about this um, mm-hmm. maybe on another show or even while you're in town is, is it looks to me like you're looking at that, these spontaneous things as if they sort of just ha- the, these networks happen and things just reroute, but, no, no, but, no, no. but, um. but, but are there, are there, have you thought about are there, you know? In, I'm asking both you and Kevin because you seem to have spent both of you I some time thinking about the anthropologicals. Who are the people? Are there people that help you know um, reroute these things? Reroute these things sometimes? No,
2: no, no. Or? I'm actually talking the opposite. I think there are rules, whether subtle or, or hardwired, that right. that actually define how these things, how, how let's say specifically, heterarchy, emerge emerge and um get maintained i mean my whole interest is what if we could organize ourselves differently right to the orders that we are all familiar with with order which is um hierarchy Probably, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, this is all predicated on a lot of my assumptions that I had to prove, and I don't expect you to agree with it, but I think hierarchies are so pervasive, they're so ubiquitous that we can't even see them. It's like oxygen, that yeah, only people everywhere. study oxygen, you know, see it. We, we don't even think about every... Uh, the more I started to look at hierarchies, I realized family is a hierarchy. Um, not just the obvious, explicit hierarchies like church, army, corporation, but actually pretty much any bunch of people you put together after several iterations you will start seeing a hierarchical order emerge yeah. whether you well, like that's it that's
0: why there's been so much yeah but adrian if you looked at not at hierarchy <coughs> would you not see that emerge all the time also
3: sorry i i sorry I coughed, that again. yes that do was you
0: the, not do not also always see a heterarchy emerge
2: i mean it, it would no. you mean hierarchy That's the trouble. I'm still not
0: clear on what you mean by hierarchy. You're saying all families turn out to be hierarchies. What does that mean to you? Someone's in charge of
2: someone else? Yeah, to me, uh, I think it's, for me, it's desirable to understand a potential alternative to hierarchy, which I think I understand. I'm
0: saying I still don't understand your description of what hierarchy is. Oh.
3: Well, yeah, the, the the question is is it is it actually a hierarchy in that there is only that routing path or is that it is seen as one as a shortcut is that is that right
2: uh all right okay now the routing rerouting thing is number rule number 2 you have to have the ability to bypass so it's more like bypassing if okay. you're free and you're free and have the ability to go different route then but you can its, avoid but at, its,
1: but at its most basic level i think heather's asking how do you define hierarchy that i have to listen to another person that i have to follow the no 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 patriarch of
2: the family find it actually all right sorry i I apologize it's it's uh it's a system it's a network but no it's an organization where you're only connected to superior and inferior level you have no peer-to-peer connection that is my short hand definition of a hierarchy which means that you cannot deal with somebody on the same level as you. You have to go through a node above you, and then that gives you permission to deal with um, somebody on on your level.
0: You're telling me that that siblings don't get to give each other
1: a hard time?
0: um,
1: Yeah, but you know what? Why has there been so much research done? I'm I'm thinking about what you're saying, Adriana, because there's been a lot of research done on family order,
2: on birth order. I've seen that. Mm. And the problem for me is that that research is done against the background of that it's 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 within the context of what i call the ubiquitous or pervasive hierarchy it's that sort of yeah it's 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 the, the what i mean by this is very important and i know that many won't agree with me but this is kind of essential to my argument is that pervasive hierarchy is based on two things one is that propensity um of organ- human organizations because of scarcity to evolve into hierarchies and secondly mental models mental models are extremely yeah. important because mm-hmm. then you look at the internet and the web and we're building uh something what we could call hierarchical organizations on the web when we don't have to but we do because that's what we know that's what we're used to
3: right and this is i mean this is the thing that we've said about the um right. attempts to rank everything like like cloud right. and like Right. like my it's, original sin of the
0: Yeah, that's about coders doing what it's well, obvious a, to them
1: but, and copying what came before them no, yes no, but, and no heather people
0: but yes latch onto know.
3: those numbers and love them this is the but scary people
1: part. like yes. it. people like it they, there's a natural tendency i think adriana's saying in your in, a, in our mental model today yeah. in the 21st century to uh, to latch onto, as kevin said a hierarchy Yes, what I'm saying and-
0: is i I kind of disagree, Adriana, out, with your basic presumption that there that we have hierarchy default most systems. I'll tell you someone who lives in like you know just I'll start with something simple, someone who's gay there is resistant culture or culture that exists and does and and goes around all the time. It's just not visible. To other people who aren't participating in it, including in family systems, the idea that you have to go up to the parent or the note above to get permission to talk to a sibling just seems already to me not to be probably true. Now, for some kinds of decision-making, maybe, but all the time, to never be able to
2: communicate person to person. not about communication. This is another common misconception when I say yeah, that. I, I thought that's what you said. It's- it's not about that's communication. Said, it's, it's like, of course, you can talk to your colleagues. Or oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put it sort of in a stark contrast. Just because a serf can talk to the king, it does not undermine the hierarchy. You know, and that's the lowest talking to the highest. You well, know. I thought you said hierarchy is if there's no peer-to-peer communication. It's not about communication, unless um, unless communication is itself the asset around or, or resource around which the hierarchy is based. Like the army, for example, um, that's about actually about communic- about information. The general has more information than the soldier on the ground, so it trickles down. So that's the resource. Normally, it's something else. Each hierarchy has a different kind of resource. Resource. So in a corporation, it would be let's say budget and headcount. So it doesn't matter that I can talk to, to my colleague. I cannot transact directly. I have to go through my boss and then back. And you say, well, but I can do this. Yes, there are processes. So processes within organizations exist as a shortcut of me going up a few nodes and then, then down in order to deal with someone. Well, they're intended
0: the to, but they're often not. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Very time consuming. actually here.
2: But you're. But this is
0: also the formal idea. When you look at the informal way they actually run, they don't run that way quite often. There's often still people yeah. talking to each other. I mean, okay, yeah. I was at Apple. It was a big company. I ended up at a at a meeting. I was in a part of the first music group or whatever at Apple. There were eight of us. This Was before Jobs came back. you up how in a call. I- I ended up in a call uh, with the Disney company where someone else from Apple's in the call. We had no idea each other were on. So I started, I didn't go to anybody above me. I got no permission. I just, because I was tumbling, I just decided to get a hold of every entertainment related person I could in the company, make them talk to each other. There was no process. I didn't get permission. But, but, oh, now Apple's also famous for being a place, at least at that point, I think Kevin, you were there, that didn't run particularly hierarchically. <laughs> and it had, it had things that, that had troubles because of that, too. But I'm just saying, I, I think you could still do it. We still talk to each other, and we transact it.
2: I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with your, with your description of how it actually happens, and that's what I used to, used to do for corporations, within corporations, sort of dis- mm-hmm. almost design it as a process, kind of disruption of the existing uh, hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I've seen over the last five years of doing it is it does not actually change the hierarchy. All it does... Oh, that's a different issue. You're saying... Are, exactly.
0: you. Informal pay- no, I thought you were, but I thought you were saying, does this place... Does this not I even mean, happen? Like do you can define this place no, as a hard no, no. because this thing doesn't occur in it.
1: No, no, no. It does occur, but there's a structure and a framework. I feel like I'm translator tonight. There's a structure and a framework that is the it's official back. that the that that key right that keeps snapping back. It's the argument of why startups can be startups and big companies will never yes. get it. You right. know, it's right. that same sort of thing. The official organizational structure. It's why probably. We'll have to reinvent government rather than change existing government. You know, it's. agreed agree. agree. yeah. it, That's what I think. That's what you mean, Adriana, when you talk about a mental model. I'm still stuck on the yes. hierarchy within families or not. I'm wondering about
2: oh, that. but it's a classic. It's a classic um, a hierarchy. It's like the it's you know sociology. It's and then when I mention it to lots of people, especially in America, it's funny they yeah. don't that. When I mention it in Europe, everybody's like, "Yeah, of course." Yeah, because
0: Europe is much it's more traditionally country. hierarchical.
2: Right. It is. It's culture and family, but
0: like it depends on what the family looks like. I don't know. My, my uh,
3: America girlfriend. has the parallel tradition of, of sort of striking out and leaving. Right? That was mm-hmm. because America was kind of by the people who struck out and left. Mm-hmm. That that. That means like, okay, my family are fucking with me. I'm going to go to a different city and start over again.
1: Well, you know, that's why anytime you talk about hierarchies or like sort of traditional stuff in America, we think we're so revolutionary and so independent and everybody can make it in America and blah, blah, blah. But the funny thing is, it's not really the case. You know, and it actually makes it harder in a way to get people to see something differently because everyone here mm. thinks that we're... That, that we're independent-minded and we're all this. It's, it's fascinating. Like, it's a lot easier to talk to Europeans about this stuff because everyone's willing to admit, yeah, we have hierarchy. No one wants to admit in America that we have any sort of structure. It's a uh, I'm not
0: it's a saying there's
1: no hierarchy here.
0: I'm saying okay. that I don't think that's all there is. I think no, 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 it's just not been acknowledged yeah.
1: Oh, exactly. I was just referring to something a little different than what you were talking about. Just culturally, Americans don't like to think that we have Hierarchy, you know, because oh, you know, yeah. the same, we think we're so open and free, but we're the most puritanical. I
0: think the reason Occupy Wall Street has picked up at the speed it's picked up in terms of a conversation is because there is more acknowledgement of the oligarchy that's kind of running here. It's for the it, from stop. the right and the left. Oh, and the reason it's moving so fast is you get the sense that it's been below the surface. It hasn't had a conceptual model for public conversation, but there's been sort of the feeling of experience that that's in fact what it's like. And now yeah. there's much more of a sense of, oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's this. is this exactly.
2: thing.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I agree with that.
2: But it's interesting that I mean about the um and the US and the perception of family. You, you can actually understand most of European history by through understanding that families were institutions. Hmm. That that's really
3: what what it was. Dynastic and inheritance and, and
2: yeah, and then in many ways, you know, what it was—the king, royalty, or or the, even all the way down to any any property type of family <laughs> turned it into an institution.
0: Yeah, but what happens when your family is like got two mothers and like an in law? And I, it all changes. What happens when it's, I don't know, like my uh, girlfriend just came from an, a queer parenting meeting tonight. She works with um, a network, you know, and they're like, well, what is it you found out tonight? If you get a birth certificate, it doesn't qualify you when you get your parent, second parent's name on it. It, it you still it doesn't get considered proof of birth. So what happens when your family is like, yeah, we have a surrogate that gave birth to whoever, got pregnant with this person, like we already have things that are making family look less hierarchical. Of course, the government in law can't keep up with it because that's the reality of how people are living. And I would bet the less hierarchical the decision is that people made, the more f- people freak out about it. Oh, that's the other big news, by the way, that happened to me this week. I was thrown out of a store for being gay. That was really a new experience for me in my life, but it's am thinking of it because I'm, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. it in the context of what you're saying. Like when people don't move within what they supposedly think the order is, the supposed hierarchical order, which mm-hmm. I think actually happens all the time, people mm-hmm. freak out. Yeah. They freak out.
3: Yeah. Yes.
1: They're uncomfortable. Yeah. People are uncomfortable. That's I mean, right. Do what, you know, what's interesting, Adriana, is another, maybe another metaphor way to look at this is because I, yes. I was doing a little work on this regarding, i I referred to it sort of as a new social contract, mm-hmm. like the, to- the talk that I did last year at South yeah. By, right? And, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I'm wondering if, if part of this is is that people it's not that that humans sort of that we snap back into um not individual humans but when we co- no. collectively get together we 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 yes, tend to latch onto um hierarchy is it is the word really hierarchy or is it um explicit rules
2: um probably it's connected probably it's a bit of both and one one follows from the other but i'm I think it's hierarchy because of the scarcity thing. And we don't even perceive that. I know I am I'm, i sort of sound like a broken record sometimes, no. but it does seem to... It, it, if you are in a physical world, there, there were these experiments conducted, apparently, when they gave a group of people different bits of information and they were supposed to uh, collaborate and find out somehow. I, it was a famous experiment. I wish I knew more about it. I'm still reading the paper Um and when they had uncertainty about who has what, a hierarchy emerged. The very same people, they knew who has what, a hierarchy was totally broke down, didn't work, was the worst thing they could do, and, it, it, and a more of a network emerged, a much more collaborative network emerged. So hmm. you could say it was scarcity of information. That's interesting. That is really but, so interesting.
3: The, the, the constrained information makes the hierarchy sustainable. Yeah, it's the scarcity it? thing,
2: and I know I'm not very good. I should... Uh, if, well, I can blame my jet lag, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind yeah. of true. My brain is sort of foggy, But I, I and I need to come up with examples, with specific examples. <laughs> and currently I'm in a very kind of um conceptual stage of the research i know the ideas in my head i just need to get them out there and back them up by examples and that's where i want to have conversations again with people like you who've been thinking about you know similar problems
3: well the thing the thing um deb said about startups versus large companies i think maps to this hidden information known information thing as well um which is that when there's a small group of you you do have much clearer information much better knowledge of what each other are doing um But once you move to a very large company, you end up with this sort of weird separation of layers where actually the different people in the different places are playing by different rules. So the people who are um, at the sort of, but the, the workforce who are talking to customers who are dealing with that mm-hmm. have, have a view into the outside world and a sense of where the company is going. Yes. The people absolutely. at the top of the company are looking at the, the picture of the competition, the outside mm-hmm. world and what's going on. But the set of people in the middle are only looking up and down. I and they can not, the hierarchy from that.
1: It's and the that elephant. Was, it's the yes. elephant.
3: Well, but it's – I mean this was – so you're saying, saying about Apple. That was something that I found when I was at Apple um, – we set up a wiki within our group to talk about what we were doing next. Um, and I was then told by my boss, you've got to put some security on that. The other <laughs> thing thinking. Oh, geez. Um, oh, that's exactly,
1: oh, yeah. By the way, when I was at Citibank back in the day in the mid and late 90s, it was explicitly told to us, and we, we were very early doing email, it was explicitly told you could not email anybody more senior than you without copying your boss
2: (laughs) yeah right you were
1: not allowed to you were literally not allowed to that, if that is an example of scarcity of information being the when – I,
0: When I wrote a um, comedy bit a long time ago about the difference between the, the film business – at that point, there was a big difference between the film business and the technology business. One of the things I uh, – bits I – it's uh, – if you look at, if you Google Terry – search on Terry Semmel on subvert.com or heathergold.com, you'll find the piece. Oh, and I talked about um, like people in Hollywood – like, your sign of status is that no one can get a hold of you. It's very hard. There's an assistant. You have a headset. It's ridiculous. But in in, in the Valley, like, you had a wildfire number. You wanted, like, an 800 number that anyone could find you at any time in the world. Can anyone call me? Here's my phone number. It's on my website. Like, that was just such a quick difference. Now, it's interesting because, of course, there's a different kind of power happening at yes. that point. In the Valley, it, there was kind of passing... Hollywood in a very entertaining way.
2: That is a very. That's actually a very good example. I have to remember that one. Uh, the the one I tend to um, tend to appeal to people who worked in corporations is uh, information. Something that's an abundant resource outside becomes a scarce resource in, in inside an, a big corporation. Suddenly, information doesn't flow easily. It's constantly a problem. And, you know, a lot of social media gurus will, will tear their hair out saying, why are they not sharing information? We have these tools, blah, blah, blah. It's not working. Why? Because the structure, the, the, the way things are wired, it's almost precluding it from doing, people doing that. So... What I'm trying to separate is, uh, you know, I I made very strong statements about, you know, hierarchy, hardwired into our our brains and uh, behavior and mental models. Yes, that's all very true. But I think if we separate the emotional and psychological and sociological factors and actually see the structural ones, we could actually change those. And I don't propose to rewire human beings. But what I would like to do is separate, okay, if we actually put people in a different environment and... And and fulfill certain conditions. Maybe just maybe we get something fantastically interesting. I and mean, we, we
0: make we make the environment. I mean, we we make it up.
1: You know, one it's of the things. And one of the things that you guys are reminding me of is, you know, back to that sort of when people are uncertain and don't have the information that they need and a, a weird set of rules, which is the world we're living in right now. Um, Thomas Vanderwald I, I forgot how he phrases this, but he does a really good job describing it as when the, in an in a, in a environment of shifting rules, people are vulnerable. When they feel vulnerable, they get uncomfortable. And when, they uncomfort- yes. they're, when they're uncomfortable... You know, I'm trying to, to, to connect those dots to, to just then what if, a, a natural hierarchy emerge because people want yes, to be yes, you're right. Actually, told what to, what to do. do? Yes.
2: But what if you... Well, so part of my, uh, my heterarchy conditions is that y- it happens at the level of the individual. So like those base functions, you know, that all the, the resources are at the level of the individual. So I can be autonomous um, as an autonomous node, but then the network will be stronger. I mean to me it's, it's kind of obvious that the stronger the node, the stronger the network mm. the so, stronger the
0: connections, the
2: stronger the network no just the network i mean if you if you make me stronger as a person or whatever i become a better member of the society for example mm-hmm. i mean to mm-hmm. me that's axiomatic and it would be so you'd be really surprised how many people would say oh but if you if you give people autonomy uh, doesn't it all fall apart selfishness and all that i'm thinking well that's a very bleak view of human nature which mm-hmm. justifies. justified mm-hmm. but if we are social and if we are truly um you know, inclined to connect with others, then making us more empowered can only be a good thing. But here's the basic human thing, okay? Here's the basic human thing, is that people, what they're,
0: to how they're treating other people is how they treat themselves. So the I don't want you to be any stronger has to do with their own fears about strength. And that's what's, where things are all, you know, kind of fractally reflective of people. That's why I'm so interested in the kind of internal emotional life of people, because I think that's what determines the whole deal.
2: <laughs> well yes i, I do I, I, I see that I hear so we we're
3: that. laughing at dorian here who, who, who says you need a full-fledged conspiracy to keep it locked down only scares to a few people and somebody always defects otherwise throw that shit
2: <laughs> yes that actually is a, a motto of the day yeah that's pretty good yeah well that's kind of you know how do we make things distributed how do we maintain that
3: have you looked at github
2: yes because that's, that's a what, very that's, yeah, that's, that's good a model example. I'm looking at, and I want to see how many of my rules are actually there, or you know, can right. be applied to it. Well, not my rules, but you know, the ones I came up with, or well, whatever, <laughs> out of my <laughs> out head. Of my head.
1: <laughs> the, the things that you posit,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, something, yeah, and and I think it. it I mean, in in a very simple simple level, I just want to see if there is a way of analytically understanding an alternative order. So we can can do it. We can do it consciously rather than just, well, there's these networks and they're amazing and they change things and disrupt uh, known entities and orders. But we don't really know why. We all have different theories. Maybe there is one that's kind of buried even lower than the level we were looking at. So, yes, <laughs> there is a, there's a, lot, a lot of work I have ahead. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's – yeah, it's it, – you know, we sort of jumped right into it, and I know Heather's going to tell us we need to wrap up soon. Yes, what? how could got, you read my mind? Because uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good that way. We're all connected. <laughs>
3: she can read your um,
1: I can, she can read my, she can read my information. I, just, I don't want to leave yes. because we jumped right into the deep end of the pool. So, Adriana, you're doing this research on your own to a certain yes. end, yeah.
2: writing a book I'm, I'm doing it on my own because I, I did think of like, okay, it would be nice to have, um, as long as I can have access to material and people, I don't really need another institution anywhere uh, at this stage because I'm just curious. And if I come up with something meaningful and I need to take it further, then I don't, I don't have a problem going and, you know, bashing a few doors down. But at the moment, I'm just curious about if I can articulate it. And, you know, with internet and with um, contacts and uh, networks. (laughs) <laughs> I can I can get I think I can get very far what did
0: you say but, all I need is other people I don't need institutions yeah. by now well that's part of my question about why people feel like they need a brand like to me when you're trying to brand yourself you're saying I don't need other people I need to create my own
2: institution yeah well the problem is institutions well, are limiting they define it. what you do they they have their way they, they consider themselves stronger than the individual anyway and I, I just I just want to do it my way <laughs> for now (laughs) and um, we'll see we'll see where it goes but I mean I want to probably write something like a paper or something just to kind of articulate it but it's really um, a work in progress and uh, talking to people like you and Kevin is actually something that moves me forward
1: well, same oh, with thanks. mine. So we're going to talk more, honey, because this this is exactly what I've been noodling around with in my head as well. I've, I've cool,
2: been.
3: excellent. Yeah. <laughs> more, well,
0: it's totally awesome you uh, shared some of your process with us. Hopefully, my argu- my hopefully entertaining arguing was useful. Oh, at yes. some level, and you Oh, not to oh, take
2: actually very
0: helpful so you know i have to say i don't know we've done this this style so much and i really enjoyed it this show i thought it was really fun you guys deb i thought you totally rocked it thank Thanks you for having me and letting
2: me ramble <laughs>
0: well it, it's rare we didn't have to like you know kevin you were right there we didn't have to go out and be like kevin
2: <laughs> kevin bring
0: it back to you. come back that shit awesome. yes yes back to us well it's i think it gets at the heart of what we're interested in it's such an interesting question to look at and and really important and and my from my experience with this sopa thing going to new york i mean going to dc i i got a bit of a glimpse of what you're saying about if we screw with the environment the conditions you can screw with what people do i mean one of the ways i describe tumbling is someone who performs i do so just quickly at a, at a signing out yeah. selfishly adrian i do a lot of performing uh and interactively <laughs> i started applying ideas about internet connection live from uh-huh. the about 10 years ago um, in part because I'm interested in some of the things we're talking because they just, and I found as I've sort of had a lot of investigations myself with other performers and my own work, that a lot of what I'm doing, what I'm interested in how people do certain things is how you create conditions for something. Not how you literally put it in place, but how you create conditions for it. How you're creating an environment in a room is very different yeah. than I got you to say a thing and I scripted it,
2: right? Well. Yeah, you're definitely breaking down mental models and possibly creating a structure that allows different things to emerge. Right, that's stumbling. But
0: part but of it's, what's it's exciting and part of what's exciting and moving, mm-hmm. I find for people performatively, is this sort of these sort of emergent moments are very powerful. They really give people a sense of meaning yes. and participation and surprise. And when you have a very, uh, at least in entertainment, the the West anyway, has a very like hyper structured, repetitive, predictable, hyper predictable bunch Mm -hmm. of stuff so it's really amazing that this moment is something that you really just didn't expect that's really what's most engaging which is not conflict which is what what the supposed hierarchical corporate entertainment systems have decided is the structure of story you know all back to aristotle it's all conflict that's not what's engaging people it's the unknown
2: yes Mm. you could say distributed is unpredictable by definition
0: that's why it's so engaging that's one of the main reasons, in my opinion, it's so engaging.
3: Mm-hmm. Very clever. Very good. I like this. That, that's why you that's, used to look at the Twitter stream, yes.
0: That's, yeah. So anyway, that's part of why I'm uh, talking about in the kind of tumbling, and presenting stuff I'm, I'm interested in, uh, is that, to have room for that. But you can't only have that if you're comfortable with what's uncertain. And that's right. why artists and entrepreneurs are a lot of people hang out with, because the thing that artists and entrepreneurs really have in common is failure and uncertainty, right? And emotionally dealing with those things.
2: Yeah, this that's is, well uh, said.
0: <coughs> All right, I, I, I just had a to... lot. <laughs> so, uh, please keep us like in the loop. It, add some hey, tumble <laughs> hashtags myself. once in a while. <laughs> thank
2: you, thank you very much. I, okay. I appreciate that.
0: I'm glad you found it worthwhile. Do you still work in hierarchical companies, or can you not handle it anymore?
3: Have you hit I'm the point of no return?
2: Yeah, I, I'm still. I'm not sure what next year will bring, but if it, if it doesn't bring any clients, I will just just throw myself into research if it does i'll try to juggle it somehow but it's it's a passion now so i'm going to do that
0: but one thing i would love for us to talk about in a future show you guys is when you live when you start leaving hierarchies Yes. Is, there, is there a moment to make your living where you have to just jump out of it completely?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, fortunately, what I do for my clients is kind of disruptive in the first place. And it was that practical experience that led me to kind of step back and say, actually, it all sucks on the conceptual level. Let's have a look at that.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you're in my head, Adriana. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm privileged. <laughs>
1: Thank you. We did similar work for a while so she knows, so we both
2: probably came yes, at Absolutely, really. No, I, I was delighted to um, to kind of the demo Vision was definitely something I, I wouldn't miss because I know you're already thinking about these things way, way back. <laughs>
0: oh we well, exp- like you. you. Yeah, spread exp- keep spreading it out. It's been awesome to have you here. I wanna thank our uh, sponsor, Hover. Woohoo. Based here in Canada, Toronto, owned by Two Cows, which is a great, uh, and you can use, you get a special deal. You get 10% off your domains if you use our code TUMMEL, T-U-M-M-E-L. You can also click through at tumblevision.tv. Please, if you would like to appreciate or support the show, get some of your domains there. Let them know you heard about them from us. Also, you can check out the show on iTunes, and if, yeah, a review, if you want more people to listen to the show, that's the way that the algorithms make it happen. Or you can just talk to people, which we're all fans of, obviously, from the show. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> there's always talking to people. There's always like remembering you, you know, it's like that moment, the sure thing, where they realize they have a credit card. <gasps> to me, that's like the hierarchy moment where you go, Oh my god, I could just talk to you. All right. Do this. Thank you. <laughs> Adriana, Lucas, thanks yes. for your help. Your website is
2: Well, my Personal blog is mediainfluencer.net, but I'm all over the place. <laughs> there, will be, there will be something eventually. I think uh, the domain name I'm going to use is uh, heterarchyrules.com. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. There's nothing there yet, but that's what I'm going to do.
1: <laughs> that's funny because one of the many Tummel um, domains that I registered for us but before we started was Tumblr's rule. <laughs> I, I envisioned it as a social network for tumblr No, i'm just kidding
2: <laughs> oh dear
1: it would just be people introducing people to each other all day
2: <laughs> could be us
0: yeah all right you guys great show thanks uh to all of you, thanks to our producer Andrew Haslund, who hurried home for the new modern.net. We'll also have our last show uh posted shortly. Right? Tonight? Yep. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. And uh coming up in a couple of weeks, we have well, next week. Oh my god, we have Alex Howard, who's awesome, digifile, who knows tons about internet <coughs> policy and technology, just tons. So um I really recommend joining an on album live because the post show will be great so that's it for us Deb any, and Kevin anything you want to let people know mm, happy holidays
1: <laughs> happy shopping or whatever we have a few weeks to holidays but you know hope everyone's warm wherever they be I have no promotions to discuss
3: <laughs> No, Kevin I haven't got anything to promote or, or sing about either
0: All right. Happy, happy holidays and happy life. And, uh, I'll be on the road during the next one. I'll be somewhere in the middle of the country, like Kansas or Denver or something. And if you want to follow, uh, my delightful. Trip, you can join me on Instagram or Twitter at H E A T H R. And I will probably send out the first subverter newsletter soon in (laughs) the, uh, first time in a year and a half since my marriage ended. Um, and you'll get all kinds of, you know, fun new juice. I'm getting back into it. And I've started doing, recording my interviews for my new podcast, subvert. uh, which is awesome. Just recorded one with playwright Rose Colas, which is amazing. She talked about being committed. So you can hear where I'm going with the next show. Crazy creative places. Thank you. And, uh, Adriana. Thanks. Thank you. Kevin, uh, everyone. Tumble out. Tumble it. Tumble out. Good night. Good people. Talk to you later.